What else does Sean say at the beginning? Hi, I'm Sean Jennings, and uh, this is Don't Panic, episode 374 on November 13th, 2023. Does that sound good? Nice. Except, yes, I'm, I'm obviously not, not Sean Jennings. Uh, we're, we're just two guys who can't abide decaf coffee. Uh, it's Colby and Dan. Sean's not here. He's in a very important business meeting. No, dinner? Was uh, it a dinner? Is that the story we're going with? It, do we know if it's a business dinner? I assume so. It uh, could be a, just a really nice dinner. Sean said, I have a work dinner tonight, but I think I'll be back oh, okay. in time. So. I missed that part. I, I assume he's out closing deals or something, right? Yeah, what he's doing. ABC. Always, Always be closing. Be. Always be. So actually, on the subject of decaf coffee, but actually, I'm going to write down. I have a, a list of subtopics here, and I'm going to write down decaf coffee because I do want to talk about that. Ooh, um, cool. But we have the we have the banter section, the sh- the Sean mandated banter section. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> He'll know. I I went to LA for the first time this weekend. That that's really? a thing that happened in my life. Um, have you ever been to the great city of Los Angeles? Uh, the only time I went to Los Angeles was when you and I went to Hawaii. My my connection back home was through Los Angeles. So I right. I've been to LAX. I have not been outside. <laughs> Um, one thing I learned at LAX is the airport lounges in LAX have outdoor patios because, of course, they do because you can be outside year-round, um, which is great for those of us who don't want to catch COVID on a plane because you can just uh, you can just hang out outside. It was actually that was my my favorite, definitely my favorite part of LAX. Um, hmm. uh, that was cool. which airport lounge do you belong to? So, if you have some kind of Amex card, I don't know which one, and you are flying Delta, you can get mm-hmm. into the Delta Lounge. Um, which, in my experience, actually, maybe we could have a whole separate episode, maybe about uh, airline lounges. Though my access is about to be restricted because <laughs> Lena's losing her Delta status. No. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, gotta go uh, to Australia more. Well, yeah, no, not going to do that. But we were able to pay for parts of our... Did I tell you about our turducken uh, vacation? Our vacation uh, inside of vacation going to Tasmania from Australia? You mentioned the turducken vacation. You did not um, mention what what was the turkey and what was the chicken and what was the duck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're going, we're going to Tasmania and Lena bought the tickets anyway she used her her um almost about to expire Qantas points uh to buy a flight from from Sydney to to Tasmania which is like which is like flying from Seattle to LA or probably even a little bit shorter so it's not it didn't take that much but it also it didn't take that many points but it also took all the points she had so um you can only imagine <laughs> How many times you'd have to fly to Australia to fly to Australia for free? Mm. Um, that would be a lot. 
Yeah. But uh, where was I going with this? Yes, went to LA. Um, oh, and right. So went to the Delta Lounge. The Delta Lounge was the one that was outside. In my experience, actually, I think that the Amex lounges are better than the Delta Lounges anyways, at least in New York and Seattle. Um, but the one in LA was really nice because it had an outdoor patio. But I was I did some research and other lounges there also have outdoor patios. So maybe that's just a, a tropical uh place thing sure um to la uh i'd never been before the food was amazing i would definitely go back to to eat more food the um the tacos are everywhere and are all really good uh so that's that's a big plus but you can get anything there kind of like new york uh overall though getting around la for as soon as we started driving around, I was like, there's something that's bothering me about this place. And obviously, you you know, one knows that there's a lot of driving to be done in L.A. So it wasn't it wasn't just that. But eventually I realized that, you know, when you go to a suburban place and there are these these. Well, what they are, are the Strodes. Were you the person who was talking to me about Strodes recently? <laughs> Colby? Strodes. I don't know if it was recently, but but. I feel like I read an article Somewhat. or something about Strode. A Strode. It, it was it was a uh, it was an interesting uh, new concept to add to the the. Room. Yeah, but and it's one of those things like kerning. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. You <laughs> see them everywhere. <laughs> right. Um, and and in Seattle, there are Strodes, and then they they sort of just become highways, uh, mm-hmm. or they get they run into a body of water or something, and and then they stop. <laughs> But in, in, in the suburbs, a strode is, again, it's a highway, and then there's, like, strip malls on either side, and then it becomes a highway again. N- not necessarily an actual highway, but effectively, one of those roads that the speed limit is 35 or everyone's going 60 anyways, one of those. Um, L.A. is just a grid of those things connected together. It's all strode all the time in every direction. So, Strode's like... City. And what I expected, though... I was expecting that part, the, but the part that I wasn't expecting was that a lot of the the things on the Strode are things that you'd find in a suburb too. It's like not like oh cool, it's like a really nice boutique clothing store or this this restaurant. Those are few and far between. It's subway, gas stations, uh, <laughs> corner stores serving generic whatever. Uh, and then it just loops. It's like it's like in a video game when you realize that it's not actually open world. It's just like repeating the <laughs> same tiles over and over again. Is it like when we were visiting Seattle, we accidentally drove through yes. a, a town that you weren't expecting to drive through? And it was like that. It was like the same uh, yes. pattern of. <laughs> yes. Like bikini yeah. coffee and uh pawn shop <laughs> car dealership <laughs> i forgot about the bikini coffee yeah and and um i think unlike a place like that there are so many people there that it's like all the worst parts of a suburb and a city because not only do you have to drive anywhere everywhere uh but you also can't park anywhere because there's there's tons and tons of people. So you don't get any of the affordances of a suburban culture where it's like, oh, we'll just drive to this restaurant and part. It's like, no, no, no. You, one does not simply drive to the restaurant. Um, 
And the traffic was horrible. And also a part of the highway, uh, highway lit on fire and burned down while we were there. So that was also really exciting. <laughs> Sorry, what? Yeah, like you can Google part? it. A whole section, like multiple acres of this highway just were combusted. <laughs> um, like, like was there it's like sort of permanently closed. Spill? There was like a junkyard beneath it that was, I read this morning, uh, probably uh, intentionally lit a flame um, filled with cars and gasoline. And uh, yeah, turns out maybe, but now that they mentioned that, I was like, you know, you do see a lot of junkyards beneath highways when they're like the elevated highway. Sure. Um, like what, uh, what else are you going to put under them? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that was, that's my review of L.A., uh, a fun place to eat, a miserable place to get around, which is short, sort of shocking because it's like it's all grid based. It's a relatively new city, um, but they they went full Robert Moses on the city planning there, which is pretty crazy. Who's also, Robert it was so Moses? hot. Oh, Robert Moses <laughs> is the. Uh, <laughs> This is a, this is a whole aside, Colby. But um, there's a really great book called The Power Broker, and if you're ever watching CNN or MSNBC, you'll see The Power Broker on, on in the bookshelves behind the Talking Heads desks. Mm-hmm. And it's a book about the Parks Commissioner of New York City in like the 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, and his. Uh, it's a really good book and it's, it's sort of a study on how can you take a little bit of power and leverage it into an immense amount of power where Robert Moses was a longer tenured than any politician because he, he wasn't elected. He was appointed uh, and as a result held at the end of his reign, held a lot more power than, than anyone else. Cause he'd been there the longest and he got to decide all sorts of things, including where the highways were built, because at the time, I think like you could you could build a parkway if you were the parks commissioner. So he built he sort of designed the roads and highways that go through New York and Long Island and upstate New York. Um, Whoa. And yeah, and now it's all just permanent. So there is this this brief moment after the automobile came about where you could you had the political capital to change things to accommodate the automobile but now there is no such political capital right it's all frozen and like the bronx queens expressway is actually collapsing into the ocean and it's like well (laughs) it's just going to like as far as i can tell it's just eventually going to collapse into the ocean and because there's no possibility of doing anything about it. And, you know, like, what are they going to do? Build another highway? Can't do that. Um, so so they just seem totally screwed. Anyways, uh, L.A. is like that, at least outside of the highways in New York. it um, You can live life a different way. But in L.A., it's, it's all four-lane, at least four-lane roads. There's like no two-lane road. That was the other shocking thing. Um, there's no two lane roads. Um, yeah. And everybody's miserable because, because there's so many people there's stop, there's stoplights everywhere. So you can't go anywhere quickly, even when there is no traffic, but you, as a pedestrian, you're also waiting forever to cross this four lane highway with (laughs) these cars on it. When when you say four lanes, do you mean, you mean four lanes? I mean, two lanes on either side. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can picture it. Um, but yeah, great food. 
can can recommend the food. So where do like do you just park on the street? Is that is that what you have to do when you're, when you're Yes. Yes. You park on the street or you find a find a paid parking lot somewhere if you want to pay money to make the problem go away. Right. Right. Wow. I um there's a uh NPR podcast right now that is happening about the big dig mm. in 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 you know in Massachusetts in in Boston I guess and the uh, it's interesting because the the sort of saga of the whole project is like 40 years like like it was a thing they started talking about in like the 70s or something and it 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 kind of came out of the you know backlash against the the crazy highway stuff where they like plowed down like huge swaths of the city to put like an elevated highway (laughs) like through downtown uh that everyone hated and um but the reason i thought of that is uh well, a it's interesting because I I grew up close enough to Massachusetts where it was like a thing that everyone talked about, and like I was only there for the end part where like they sort of finished the project, but a bunch of like shoddy stuff had happened, and then like people died when when the ceiling fell down and stuff. Um, oh, but the that happened one time; just one person died. But the 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 well, you know, like a big cement ceiling tile like fell. <laughs> out of the tunnel um uh but the the you were talking about uh robert moses having power and i think i think there was one of the characters in the big dig story became originally he was like the you know the secretary of transportation for the governor or something but after that became like the head of the massachusetts turnpike authority which I guess like, like the parks commission is a sort of, it's like an appointed and independent uh, from the government like authority. So they can kind of like, or I guess it's, they were saying it's kind of by design. It's like, you know, them being independent lets them uh, do projects that span longer than the, the tenure of any given politician without uh, craziness. And it also lets politicians like, (laughs) <laughs> like have plausible deniability. Like if people don't have like the things that the turnpike authority is doing, <laughs> they can say, well, it's not our fault. They're doing, it. they, they're doing it. Um, but I feel like there was, there was a quote from, from this, this person who was like, this is, you know, this is how you get real power is you, you become the head of the turnpike authority. Cause then you can actually do things. Uh, oh, you're, you're reminding me, Robert Moses, leverage his position as parks commissioner to get himself appointed to the uh triborough bridge and tunnel authority which was one of the ways that he designed where the roads went because he got it there's water you need bridges and tunnels Mm -hmm. bridges and tunnels (laughs) isn't that a saying this very bridge and tunnel that does sound familiar. Like, can't you like call a person bridge and tunnel or something like that? 
to describe people who live in communities surrounding the island of Manhattan, New York. That's right. And commute to it for work or entertainment. That's right. The bridge and tunnel people are sort of lesser than I see. Uh, the people who live mm. in Manhattan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Except, of course, well, I guess that is true. I mean, I guess the, the Westchester people, they don't, they don't, um, although, do you still no, have to cross really a bridge? A it's not a tunnel, but is there a bridge? I think there might be a bridge. Isn't there like a little teeny tiny river in like the, separates the Bronx from, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you do have you to cross a bridge. It. Yeah. <laughs> can't escape it. Uh, and is that called The Big Dig, the NPR podcast? Yes. It's from WGBH. I see it. Okay. Yeah. It's been uh, it's been pretty good. I don't know. I, you know, I I feel like it's easy to enjoy a thing that is about the place you live in, so it's interesting from that perspective. It is interesting to see, like you can see the remnants of the giant elevated highway, like, like where it used to be as a park now, which is cool. Uh, they did succeed in putting it underground. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. I'm actually looking forward to listening to this podcast because I want to know how they did it. Yeah. Uh, Cause we need to do lots of things like this now. <laughs> more more tunnels less bridges <laughs> <laughs> well I, I, I when water is concerned i don't really have a preference between bridges and tunnels um so yeah we need we need both i think or we need both here at least that's we probably need sure. more bridges and tunnels at this point we we did our big dig mm. uh Actually, you know, that's a good point. It does seem like there is an appetite for taking highways and putting them underground. Um, the problem with the BQE is it runs, it is suspended over the water, like cantilevered <laughs> over the water. So you can't really put it underground. Because <laughs> there's, I mean, I guess you probably could, but it, it seems really hard. And maybe it could just be like an inflatable bubble. Like, it doesn't have to be underground per se. Just like you'd be driving through and it's like a big aquarium. Like, you can see the the trash floating by or whatever. Yeah, that sounds cool. <laughs> I mean, they make floating bridges. Sure. And then they just have to make a, a sinking bridge. <laughs> Submersible bridge. <laughs> uh, um, Wait, so... So what Colby, were you I actually, what were you actually in LA for? Oh, we were there for a wedding, which was very nice and sort of at this excellent, uh, I don't know, the food was fine, but the venue is incredible. Yamashiro is a restaurant in LA, in Hollywood, and it looks out over LA in this very like um, observation deck-esque way. Uh and also, it, if did if you remember Kill Bill Volume One, the scene, the fight scene in the, like the dojo, was filmed in this restaurant, um, oh, and that snap. was where the wedding was held. So it was wow. it was pretty cool. Yeah, 
but no, it was a great wedding. Uh, wasn't as much sushi as I was expecting. Uh, <laughs> but you know, we can't all have weddings where there's tons of sushi. <laughs> <laughs> so we have the opposite problem at your wedding. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Cool. Colby, I want to get your take on this humane AI pin since in, <laughs> in the before show, you revealed that you had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> I did not. I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know how this happened. So I guess I knew about this for a couple years because there's this whole... Um, there was lots of buzz being created by this company and they had hired a bunch of people who left Apple who had worked on the original iPhone. And they were going to build this, some, they're building a company. They actually didn't say what this something. Uh, and they were hiring people and they're all, you know, in a very Apple way talking about the thing they were building in very mysterious, uh, terms, but it was unequivocally going to be amazing. Um, and then last week it sort of leaked and then the next day they announced it. I, I think it was always planned to be announced the next day. And it is a computer that you magnetically attach to a piece of clothing that you're wearing. Um, and it listens to things you say so you can talk to it. Um, it has a camera so it can see things. And the its big um, gimmick is not the right word, but the thing that really differentiates it from other things is it has a projector. So you hold your hand out and it projects a UI onto your hand. And then you can move your hand to interact with the UI. Or I think you can touch... Eh, I don't actually know. I don't think you can touch things with your other hand, um, which is cool. But, um, but, but anyways, uh, and then they they had been talking recently. It's like, it's going to be the first AI first gadget, which definitely feels like a, you know, I don't know how baseball works. What is it? Ninth inning pivot. Um, Cause <laughs> yeah. they've been working on this thing for right. three or four years <laughs> right. or, or longer, I think. Um, and it uses chat GPT and Microsoft open AI, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and it's $700. And it costs $25 a month for a subscription to use it, which hooks your your stuff up to their Clued and allows you to... So I guess features that they, they sort of touted were it knows, all, it knows all of your emails. I don't know if it knows all of your SMS messages. And it knows your calendar. So kind of like a, a lady in the tube, you can ask things of it. And, and then it uses AI to like summarize things and you can also use AI to like uh, dictate, quote, dictate a message. But you're not really dictating. You're just sort of describing a gist of what you want to be conveyed. And then it reads back what it wrote. And then you can say, make it more exciting or make it more respectful or something like that. So those, those are the features. They have a 10-ish minute video, which I think is interesting to watch because it. Uh, I don't think it's a very good video it's like um at first you could see how a bunch of people who worked at apple would produce a video like this i don't know if, if you're watching it now um I'm just i've just it's highly produced their, their their website it's a very apple-y it, uh 
swoopy scrolly <laughs> website. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, anyways. the captive scrolling. Yeah. Um, it's a very, you could see how this is inspired by how Apple pitches things in one sense, but then in another sense, when you watch the video, everyone's so somber. Um, and I, I couldn't put my finger on this until I heard or, or read other people talk about this, but it doesn't, they're not, it doesn't sound exciting. It's not like, or fun. It's just like, right. you know, oh, it, you can show it things and it tells you how much <laughs> calories are in there and it'll summarize your work messages. Bless you. Uh, it's like, <laughs> that's not aspirational. I don't, you know, I don't know. And and they, they just were very, very even keeled, very one note during the presentation, which I thought was weird for in retrospect, for people who work at Apple, like they're they, when they introduce a new product, it's never um, this is great for business and and we help you stay fit or something like take the Apple Watch. Sure, it helps you do all those things. But there's also all like the whimsy and the fun and people are excited to use it. Like, let's go uh, stand up paddleboarding or something like that, <laughs> right. um, which wasn't really. Uh, present here at all so anyways that's my understanding of what this whole thing is and now i'm curious what your reaction is to it having heard me talk about it and having seen the website (laughs) so i definitely so now that i'm looking at the website i did see uh like i did i did see something with the hand the 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 projection on the hand somewhere at some point Mm mm-hmm and obviously it didn't make an impression on me. It's kind of interesting. Um, oh, one other piece of the story I left out um, was for a, a while, like leading up to this, they were like, like I think their first sort of teaser for the teaser uh, was about how people don't want to, maybe that's not what they said. You shouldn't be glued to your phone we're going to liberate you from the phone. So the other thing that is important to understand is this is a separate device that is designed to replace your phone. It can take phone calls and I guess it has a phone number and that's how it does SMS maybe. Um, And a common criticism is people like their phones and they don't want to get rid of them. Um, like no one was saying in 2007, uh, well, that's not true. People were saying in 2007, I love my flip phone. But as soon as you saw an, a, a smartphone, an iPhone, it was obvious that this was all of that and more. It was better than. Um, it's a tough ask to ask people to to ditch their smartphones, which is part of their marketing message. Right. And also it's a little unclear, like you can't really play a game on this. You can't watch a movie on it. Um, there are lots of things that it cannot do that a smartphone can do. Sure. It does. It makes me think of like the, the Star Trek thing when they poke their button. Mm-hmm. The communicator. Um, yes, exactly. Exactly. Except for it's watching you, I guess. <laughs> uh, or it's watching everyone else. Oh. Which is weird. But that's another like, thing. It is not always watching or always listening. You always have to press the button to get it to activate. 
Oh. Which seemed to be a product decision on their part. Sure. Okay. I assumed it was always, uh, always watching. That's, that's, then it's even more like a, like the Star Trek communicator. Um, yeah. It's definitely kind of interesting. Uh, I'm trying to imagine what life would be like with this thing. Can it give you directions? <laughs> Does it talk out loud? Like, or are you like headphones? Yes, it has the personic speaker and it somehow talks out loud to you, but kind of in a way that maybe you can hear better than other people, but I can't imagine is private, obviously. Right. <laughs> right. It's like, uh, I mean, uh, one thing that I noticed very early on is in a lot of their product images and in the video, someone's wearing like, oh, I'm wearing a cool leather jacket with like the lapels that flare out. And so obviously mm -hmm. I magnetically, you know, it's like, what is it? It's like a, one of those name tags in college. I magnetic, I put the magnet back, which is also the battery, which is cool. So the back of the thing is the battery and That's you put cool. the front plate on it. And it has a, I'm guessing it has a mini battery in the main unit so you can swap them out and, and it remains on. Um, and, uh, but if you're wearing like what you're wearing, you know, are you going to like reach up your shirt to, to take it on or off? Uh, are you going to leave it on all the time? What it, it mm. that seems difficult. What happens if you're exercising? Do you need to get like a, an iPhone style band for it or something. <laughs> so it doesn't come flying off. Yeah. yeah and if I it's on your shirt, how heavy is it? Does it just sag down? <laughs> like a lot of these coats that they are demonstrating on is like, Oh, this is a nice firm piece of leather. <laughs> right. Uh, right. And not I just, just, I just an $18 I just put, cotton bureau shirt. Right. I just put the video on and like the lady, one of the people is wearing like an actual leather coat, which is like, sure. <laughs> I guess the yeah. guy has like a more of a sweater t-shirt thing, but um, yeah, I do a lot of layering, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like do you, uh, you know, I guess maybe it's something that stays inside your clothes, like inside your coat and stuff, but it's kind of weird. The personic speak, but then it, it can't. Yeah. I think it would kind of stop working at that point. Right. Yeah. Like it wouldn't be very, I guess maybe you could talk to it in in your coat. No one would think you were weird. Like hello. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think the other thing is, I get why they made it not listen all the time. Like there are people who wouldn't like that, sure. And that's a choice you can make. But imagine how, if to me, it would be much more useful if it was listening and watching all the time. Like you know rewind ai but for your real life that's an obvious use case but right. also like one of the things they recorded or they they demonstrated was uh you can hold up a piece of fruit or like a bowl of nuts and it'll tell you like oh those are cashews and i can estimate roughly how many cashews are in there and i know what the calorie of each cashew is so here's here's the calorie load for that which is cool, but wouldn't it be better if I could just ask it like, hey, how many calories have I had today? And I don't have to like log everything like I'm at Chipotle. Hey, pin beep beep. 
what's in this burrito? And isn't even going to know that I'm at Chipotle and what is in the burrito. Um, but it, anyways, if it could, it would be way more useful if I didn't have to tell it those things. Um, and if it could pop up and be like, hey, you know, just so you know, uh, this burrito puts you over your the limit that you set for today or something like that. Um, instead of having to remember uh, to do all this, because it, you know, if the, if the point is to, you know, get people off of their phones, and I think that's not a reason in and of itself, right? So if your if your uh, vision is that people, the technology should get out of the way, and you shouldn't be looking at your phone all the time, you should be interacting with the world, but. But it, if I have to press my thing and wait for something to power up and talk to something and wait for it to talk to the internet, isn't that also kind of getting in the way? It's not visually, yeah. but... Right. Yeah, I guess you don't have to look at it. But, uh, yeah. I feel like you also... It also seems like you kind of can't... I know, like, a phone isn't fully private... Right. Like someone could look over your shoulder or something. But if this thing is just like talking, at, <laughs> like talking at you, is it ever really going to be like like a full replacement for your phone? Like, sure. Yeah, maybe or at a concert. I mean, like. Sure. Someone's yeah, trying to get right. a hold of you. You're at a concert. <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> right. Fully not possible. Uh, uh, yeah, another I mean, really compelling thing I read was um, uh, there's a lot people the technology industry is really interested in voice right now because it's frankly because it is cool right it's a new thing that wasn't as possible 10-15 years ago and is getting more and more possible and especially with the, the generative AI stuff you can have a much more fluid real language conversation but um, the the information density of looking at something is so much greater than listening to someone. Uh, a graph can tell, so, you know, we've both read the Edward Tufte book can tell you so much more than, a, than even a paragraph in way less time. Uh, and so, yeah, th this whole notion that, the only, you know, you don't need to bring your phone. You just need something that talks to you. It's like, I mean, maybe for some people, like the people who only have their Apple Watch because they, they just want to, you know, unplug, that makes sense. But if you're going to take one device with you and you're going out for the day to do stuff, you're going to be gone all day, of course you're going to take your phone. What happens if, you you know, someone sends you an email, you need to review something and, and respond and send it back. Uh, you Even if right. you could do it purely via voice with uh, an AI automatically summarizing thing and, and you hope that they don't leave out any important information, <laughs> uh, it would still take longer. And now is technology really getting out of the way? Right. Different sort of in the way. Hmm. Yeah. Weird. All right. I don't I don't understand how I missed this, but um. <laughs> well, you did, it sounds like you didn't totally miss it, which makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, right. I did see it. I just didn't understand what it meant. Nice. Well, thanks for well, when it um, up to speed. Are you ordering when, one? When does, it's, when do, 
uh, November 16th. Yeah, I was going to say, just in a couple days, right? AI pin challenge. I... Yeah, I am not going to be taking the AI pin challenge because <laughs> I have I have other challenges I need to be taking. But uh, if you you are welcome to Colby and report back, I also have other challenges. I think. <laughs> um, speaking of challenges, you challenged us, or maybe only me at this point, to <laughs> list. What exactly did you say? You said, um, all, we should talk about all the ways to make coffee. And you sent us a list of 20 different coffee brewing methods and asked us to make a list of how many we've tried, which I did. Um, though in classic podcast format, I have questions about what counts, what counts as trying. Maybe we, we should start there. Sure. Well, does I, it count if I've tasted it or do I also have had to make it myself? I made both lists just in case. <laughs> <laughs> I also made both lists. After I, after I sent the message, <laughs> uh, I realized I should have been more specific. And so I, I tallied both. Okay, um, great. Then we're on the same yeah. page. Um, yeah, I guess we can just go through the list. We'll, uh, we'll we can... Well, we can say if we've we've done it or not, and then maybe if we like it or not. Um, okay. The first one is cowboy coffee. Dan, have you have you ever made cowboy coffee? I don't I, think I I've like ever you, made cowboy coffee. <laughs> I was gonna say I feel like you're the most likely of the three of us. Uh, you're the most likely to have made cowboy coffee. I certainly. Yeah that that's that seems fair. Um, I don't remember specifically ever having it, though it seems likely that I have. Um, I also, though, remember... Um, actually, no, I guess this counts as a different brewing method, but I have made coffee with improvised filters, such as paper towels and uh, and mm. other things. Um, but I don't think that quite counts. Now, I guess maybe I should pull the article up too. I, I don't even know what cowboy coffee is. It's under the, the, the boy. It's very boil. simple. So you, you put coffee and water in a vessel and then you boil the water and then you pour out the coffee. No filter. <laughs> Hashtag no, no filter. <laughs> sure. I guess that makes sense. It seems pretty achievable anywhere. Yeah. Over a fire or whatnot. Nice. Well, cowboy coffee, who knows? Uh, what about Turkish coffee, Dan? I have tried Turkish coffee. Me too. Um, I don't, I can't say for sure if the Turkish coffee that I had was brewed in this way. Um, but I went to a Turkish restaurant. I ordered Turkish coffee. It tasted very different. Um, you know, it has has fixins sort of, and those things came with it. So I assume it was brewed this way and it was very, very tasty. Yeah. I thought it was good too. I think there is, there's sugar in it, right? Like it, uh, when it's brewed. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, it says to make it combine powdered coffee grounds with sugar. Oh, yeah. 
I thought it was good too. I mean, it was good. And that's right. I do remember, I remember that it was kind of frothy, like, like a cappuccino. Yeah. Right. Nice. All right. We're on to the steeping methods. French press. Um, yes. Done it. Uh, I've done it and I've tasted it. Uh, French press is my preferred way to make lots of coffee. Um, but I don't have a large French press, but when I have had access to a large French press, it's really good and it's really easy to make a large batch. Nice. That's what I found. Do you have any, uh, I've definitely like done it once or twice, but not, um, I don't like own a French press, so it's not, it's not a big part of my life. Do you have, I have any, a, uh, I have like brewing? a teeny tiny, almost one cup French press. <laughs> um, wow. but the problem is for that it's, it is a pain in the butt to clean. That's the problem. Mm. I really like the coffee that you get out of it. Uh, but it's a pain in the butt to clean and it, it never seemed worth it to do a every day or B for so little coffee. If you might make a second, a second batch. Right. Nice. Oh, this thing, this article lists the grind size to medium course. I don't know if that's, uh, I don't know what measurement that is, but it sounds useful. Cold <laughs> brew, Dan. I've made cold brew. I have not. And I, this is something I want to do next summer. So tell me, how do you make cold brew? Um, the, you know, the, the long and the short of it is like you grind your coffee pretty big. Like it's a pretty coarse grind like on the you know we have the same coffee grinder it's like 30 plus like 32 or 34 is like normal and you do you know you take uh, a bunch of coffee and and put it in water and you let it sit like overnight or for a day or something uh and then you strain out the coffee and you get from this process you get like concentrate so so you get like super intense coffee and usually you take like two ounces of coffee and add six ounces of water and then you have a cold brew. Um, and it's good. So it's when Wirecutter tells you, oh, this is the best cold brew brewer, whatever they right. call it, what, right. what advantage, if any, does that offer you? Uh, the cold brew, like we have a cold brew brewer that is not, it's not the wire cutter one, but usually it's just like an apparatus that makes it easier to drain the, the coffee out of the, the, um, out of the grounds. Right. So, so it's like, like it probably, the wire cutter one I think has like a built in filter that is like washable and you know, it, it it like fits the, the sort of like brewing thing fits like over the carafe and you just like pull, you know, press a button or something. I see. So you get to trigger when it starts draining the coffee. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Um, but like I've done cold brew with, you can get like a bag. Um, right. Like, like iced tea. 
Yeah, it's just like a big bag that you put all the all your coffee grounds in, and then you just throw it in a thing of water, and then when you're ready, you just take the bag out, and like squeeze it a little, and then you're good to go. Ooh, can I use a cheesecloth? Probably. I have a cheesecloth. It seems like hey, you can use a cheesecloth. All right. <laughs> I could do it tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, you could start tonight if you really uh, get to it after after the podcast. Um, yeah, cold brew is good. It's nice because you you, I mean, you're making. I guess it depends how much beans and water you use, but you can make like uh, an amount of coffee only limited by the size of the container you have. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I guess it's a more economical way to drink coffee, and you put it that way. You'd be a fool not to have cold brew. (laughs) I don't know. um, I've never done the math on like the beans. Uh, Yeah. You know, like I don't, I don't know how that the, the coffee weight to coffees, you know, amount, number of cups of coffee produced uh, works out. Um, But it's great. Uh, all right. On to the next one. Coffee bags. Have you already used a coffee bag? No. Um, (laughs) to be honest, I've never brewed coffee with coffee bags and these are basically tea bags, right? Hey, it kind of looks like, um, if you're looking at, well, maybe I could, I can put it on the screen here. That's a better idea. Do, 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 do. Uh, window. This one. Um, can you see my thing? No. Oh no! Your browser needs screen sharing permission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay. I'm looking. At, right. I'm looking at it though. I see what you're I'll, seeing. So I'll this looks like a. Yeah. Go okay. Ahead. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> Do it. This looks like a sort of origami uh, piece of cardboard that is gripping either side of a a coffee mug, and then nestled in in this nest of cardboard is a what looks like a large tea bag, open topped, and in this image they're pouring water into the open top tea bag. And I'm guessing it's kind of like pour over at that point. It just drips out the bottom. Right. It seems really elaborate. Yeah, I have questions about this one because are these bags that you pre-purchase and they're filled and you open them up or are you stuffing these bags? Because it does say grind size. So I guess you're stuffing these bags with coffee yourself. It doesn't seem oh, weird. It's just like, like it a- saves you a lot of time. Right. And it's it doesn't like really a explain filter. Right. It's like it looks like a combination filter and like pour over thing that you can And if you Google coffee oh. bag, you get bags of coffee, which is not helpful. <laughs> I think they made this up. Uh all right. Coffee bags. Weird. No one's tried it. Dan, what about a siphon brewer? 
Uh, I have tried this at, I remember, I couldn't tell you where, but I remember someone took me to some place in New York. It was probably Kyle. And they had one of these, I want to say it was billed as a Japanese thing. Uh, mm-hmm. They had one of these things slowly cranking away in the back and you could pay an ungodly amount of money to have coffee brewed by this thing, which I did. Um, and I remember it being very good. Uh, but not something I would do again, necessarily. Certainly not something that I would undertake myself. Mm. Now, Dan, I would it surprise you to learn that I own a siphon brewer. <laughs> it. That is mildly surprising, but the first thing I thought of when I saw this was the um, the cocktail book that I can't remember the name of. Um, Liquid Intelligence, where they use <laughs> oh, yeah. they have all crazy stuff like this. So I did kind of think of you when I read about this method. So so I think the the I'm a, I have to imagine the thing that you witnessed was was a really elaborate contraption. Uh, but there, there. Yes, it like looks pretty, like a steampunk something you find in a steampunk store in the mall. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you Google like Google siphon coffee pot or something, there there are like pretty simple stovetop ones. And my they had you know there was a period of time in like the seventies or something when this was like sort of a fad and they were kind of popular. And my oh. my uncle, I have an uncle who likes to to. I don't know. He like used to go to like flea markets and stuff and get stuff from that era. So like everyone in our family has one of these uh, <laughs> siphon brewers. It's like, it's like two, it's like two glass coffee pots, like stacked on top of each other. Uh, yep. And like you put the coffee in the top and the water in the bottom and you boil the water and it gets like sucked up into the top and like brews the coffee. And then <laughs> like the coffee sort of like, you know, you have to do some stuff and like eventually the co- the brewed coffee finds its way down back down into the bottom part of the of the brewer. <laughs> it's, it's that weird. is really cool. It's it's uh it's pretty elaborate. It's a little finicky to do. Um, but it does work. You know? I've done it before several times. It comes out pretty good. I haven't really That's refined cool. the process, but um that's cool and a great party trick totally i should take it out for parties more often uh instant coffee you yes instant coffee person (laughs) i use instant coffee instant coffee when camping and i Mm. use the uh i should have looked this up beforehand there's a fancy lad um instant coffee company called let me see if i can find it but i I will look verve that's what it's called v-e-r-v i will put it in the show notes nice i don't think i've well i i don't think i've ever made instant coffee myself but Growing up, my dad would always make iced coffee in the afternoon with instant coffee. And it would, hmm, it was pretty good. Put a little cream and sugar in it. It was, it was solid. 
It was just Folgers, like the plastic jar of Folgers instant coffee. Is that instant coffee? I never connected that. I thought that was just a box of coffee grounds. Oh, I I mean there 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 is non-instant Folgers coffee. Oh, okay. But but they also make instant coffee. Oh, I see. The right. big can is not instant coffee, but the little uh svelte hourglass shaped thing that looks like instant coffee. Right. Right. Nice. Uh, wow, we're only we're not even halfway through. We gotta we gotta get cranking on. All this. right, let's pick it up. Uh, stovetop percolator. Uh, wait. Let me let me pull up my notes. <laughs> no, I'm I don't here. think so. No, I've seen them. They look really cool. Yep. 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 I've never used one. Uh, auto drip machine. Naturally, the classic. Yes. Classic coffee maker. I have. I've never owned one. Really? I've I've owned one. I owned a fancy so I've, one. I've used them at Airbnbs and at other people's houses and at, at Marist desktop IT departments before <laughs> I even drank coffee and I was asked to make coffee, but that's it. Nice. Nice. Uh, non-Chemex pour-overs. I'm pretty sure I have. I don't own a non-Chemex pour-over, though. Mm. For a long time, I had, like, an OXO pour-over thing that... Yeah. Uh, in addition to the, like, filter thing where you put the coffee, it had, like, a, a water reservoir on top with, like, holes, and you would just fill it with hot water, and it would, like, do the pouring over for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, it's pretty easy. Sp- specialty pour overs. What is the difference? Those those are the same thing. I was confused on that. Also, something I noticed, Dan, is that in the, the article lists twenty things, but the uh graphic at the top only has nineteen things, and I spent like. I spent <laughs> 10 minutes trying to figure out what, what was duplicated. I like what was missing from the graphic. And obviously it's specialty pour over and regular pour over some BS. All right. The Chemex, they really, they're really milking the pour over. Uh, yeah. Category. Yeah. I don't understand the difference between these three categories um and so i own a chemex this is uh and i have for almost 10 years and this is how i make most of my coffee uh what i like about it is that uh it tastes very tea like it's not very concentrated i find the chemex makes sort of uh coffee that brings out flavors other than the like acidic flavors. So it kind of, kind of comes out more floral, um, which I really like. And also it's pretty easy to clean up and you can get biodegradable, compostable paper filters. You flop one out, you throw it in the trash and uh, you rinse out your thing and you're good to go. Right. Throw it in the comp. Dishwasher safe. You can put it in the dishwasher. Oh, I didn't realize it was dishwasher safe. 
Yeah. That's awesome. I've been washing mine out by hand. Um, Dan, as you know, we recently got a Chemex and have been experimenting. We came into a, a um, like a pot, like a kettle, you know, like an electric mm-hmm. kettle that has the, the spout. Um, so Who's we figured next? spout. Yes, exactly. And we are, we had also been talking about trying to drink a little less coffee because Laura's mm. been having some, some physical symptoms recently. <laughs> some like light twitching in the afternoon. A lot of, what do they call it? Trem- tremolo? Is that, is that when you, uh, add some, uh, some, <laughs> some wobbliness to your uh, string playing? Just right, a little bit right. too much. A little, right. Some <laughs> involuntary <laughs> tremolo. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's been, that's been fun. Um, what about this clever dripper, Dan? Clever dripper. Uh, I've used things that look like this. Same. Um, what, but you know, actually, now that I'm reading this more carefully, I have never used one that had a valve. So maybe mm. I should uncheck this. I've used something like this for tea, but not for coffee. Nice. I... Oh, one of the jobs I had, this was the coffee method that was available. Wow. Like you could, there was like a grinder and a bunch of these things and like a thing that produced hot water. And if you wanted coffee, you had to make, you could make yourself a cup of coffee on demand. It came out pretty good. It was not, not bad at all. I think there was a scale even. It was actually kind of fancy now that I think about it. Yeah. That's pretty legit. Mm-hmm. Man, all this is making me want coffee. <laughs> uh, all right. We're on to the pressure methods. Have you used an espresso machine? Yes, I have. We had my mom got an espresso machine uh, for working at H&R Block for like 30 years. And she was kind oh. enough to give it to... It, it was not, you know, it's not one of these Italian 300-pound sure. machines. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was sort of a very countertop unit. Um, but I, I did use it. Um, and it seemed fine. Uh, it, I, I'm not... I don't... I haven't... Um, I haven't reached the sort of nirvana of espresso yet. Uh, I think this is an area in which I'm lacking in in uh, my education. And I'm motivated to... It would be cool to have one of these because Lena used to work at a coffee shop and can do all the fancy what? latte art stuff. Um, so it would be to my... But she doesn't drink coffee. So it would be to my benefit mm-hmm. to have one of these someday. But... Um, Again, there's there's a lot of challenges that need to be addressed, and I don't think that one's going <laughs> to rise to the top anytime soon. <laughs> Darn. We have like a mini, like a little Breville espresso maker thing that is also also not Italian. Um, but it's pretty fun. It's, it's like... Uh, 
it's fun when it's going well, and, but there's also like a lot that can go wrong in your process. And so when it's not going well, uh, often you don't know why. And it's, it's very annoying because you wanted to drink a cup of coffee and it has <laughs> gone awry. Yeah. At least that's my experience as a non-professional uh, trying to use the, the espresso, espresso maker. Uh, all right. Number 15, the mocha pot. I think I've seen these like on Instagram or something. Never use one. What is the difference between this and a stovetop percolator? I think it's size. Uh, I feel like something that is not clear from the picture of stovetop percolators is that they're like pretty big. And this is like, like a, I think a stovetop per- percolator is closer to the size of a pot of coffee, like, like for like multiple cups of coffee. And this thing is like, it, it makes like a shot of espresso. Ah, uh, and it's doing sort of the same thing that the, um, the, your fancy two cup thing is doing where it's, uh, turning, heating up the water, turning into steam, passing through the grounds and condensing into coffee. Right. Okay. That makes right. sense. So no, I have right. neither. I don't believe I've ever tried this and I've never used one. Me either. What about an AeroPress? I own an AeroPress. I I use I have used it for extended periods of time. Um, it's even easier to clean than the Chemex. So you sort of uh, extrude out all the coffee. It's it's like a plunger, and you can push all the coffee out from the other end uh, after you've used it, and like straight into the compost or whatever. And it's also dishwasher safe. You put it in the top rack of the dishwasher. It's ready to go the next day. Um, and the coffee it makes is really good. It's more, um, it's less tea-like and a bit stronger than the Chemex. Um, but it's very fast to use. And the only, yeah, as this thing points out, you do have to buy these special filters, which is annoying. Yeah, but great for camping um, or traveling. Mm-hmm. Or things like that where you're in a, a coffee compromise situation. <laughs> yeah, we we brought this we brought this on vacation, like to hotels and like just yeah. like <laughs> use the hotel coffee pot to heat up the water and then make the co- the coffee in the AeroPress. <laughs> it's better. Yes. Nice. Ah, uh, Sean's Sean's favorite. The single serve pod machine. <laughs> Cure eggs of the world. I mean, everyone's used one, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. I certainly have. I used to, I think I owned a mini one in college. So did I. Yeah. My parents had one. Everybody has them. Uh, lesser known coffee brewing methods. Vietnamese fin? Is that the Yeah, I'm not sure how you say this. I have I have also had Vietnamese coffee served at a Vietnamese a fancy pants Vietnamese breakfast restaurant in New York. Nice. Um I I can't say for sure that it was brewed this way, but it it did taste fairly different from other coffees I've had. Um and it was really good. Mm. I haven't had this, nor do I own one. Nitrous coffee. 
Yes. Nitro cold brew. Yes, I have not made one, obviously, but uh, I've had a Starbucks nitrous cold brew in my day. No, there's no shame in that. My hot take is I don't like them very much. Hmm. I um, don't like them. If it's just cold brew, I don't think it adds anything. I really like the. Uh, is it Starbucks or Blue Bottle that has the one that is has maybe it is sweet condensed milk or something in it, and the oh, it's just nitrous has a little. I think if you add like a syrup to it, the mm. the contrast of the the texture of like the syrup versus the foaminess of the coffee is something I like. But if it's just a cold brew with foam, it doesn't really do it for me. All right. I'm going to keep an eye out for that. All right. Puerto Rican Cafe Con Leche. Uh, With the sock, the sock coffee. (laughs) Okay. I was wondering about this because I was like, I don't know if I've tried this, but if I did try it, uh, it would have been with you. (laughs) Um, And now that you mentioned the sock coffee, I remember that I have tried it. Yep. Yeah. I don't know that I've had it prepared in the way that is described here with milk, but I've definitely had uh, coffee made with that. The the yeah fabric filter thingy. It's good. Yeah. It comes out good. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's your final um, score? My, my final score. So when I went through... Uh, I have had 15 of these and I've, I've made 11 of them myself. Nice. You, you beat me out. I have tried 14 of them and I've only made eight. Wow. Nice. It's that, it's that siphon one. It's too weird. Yeah. Um, and two quick follow-up questions, Colby. How do you, and we'll have to talk about decaf co- coffee some other time, actually. One one follow-up question. What is your preferred, me- preferred method of acquiring coffee? you a subscription mm. boy? Do you go out and source artisanal Boston coffee, you know, <laughs> scrounging around on the street? How are you doing it? Uh, we subscribe to Greater Boston Artisanal Coffee. So, so it's coffee that, uh, I've had it around, like some of the coffee shops around have coffee from the place we get it from. It's called Grace Note. Um, but they oh, do that's a subscription. Right. Tell me about that. Right. They do it. They do a subscription and they just will send you, you know, you can get whatever you want. Like they'll do like a rotating, you know, we do a rotating, like the light whatever a light roast of the month and we get a pound of it yep. or 12 ounces or whatever um what about you do you still have your funky pod things um i've almost worked my way through those uh i was subscribing to uh counterculture coffee initially and i would get i think the same thing there and then i tried a couple different subscription things i tried trade coffee subscription which is fun you get stuff from all over the country um but we are entering a period of extended traveling so i've canceled all my subscriptions and i've been working my way through the frozen coffee pods 
um, which I guess I guess it wasn't on here, but is uh, sort of a, a mixture of the cowboy method, really, and uh, the one single use coffee pod method. Um, well, and are they? Do you think those are like cold brew or something? Because that's the thing. A thing you can do with cold brew is you can make hot coffee with cold brew, right? Like if you take the concentrate and add it to hot water. I think that's basically what's happening. I think they are doing something. They are, my understanding from the website was that they're doing a fancy brewing method like the um, evaporating thing. And then they're freezing it very quickly with some fancy freezing method. But essentially, yeah, it's, it is concentrate and you add, you add more water than there is uh, concentrate and you get, you get some coffee out. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Subscriptions are tricky when you go away. It really disrupts the, even if you, uh, the problem is not always that, uh, we're not home when the delivery comes. <laughs> it's that it, our, our, uh, rate of consumption is disrupted. And mm, one yeah. ends up with a surplus, you know? Yes. And Oh, another problem with the frozen coffee pot is, uh, the second time, actually, I think every time I have received it, I was not home and I wasn't able to get to it fast enough and it melted just a little bit. And then the coffee pods are kind of hard to use. Oh, no. Which is annoying. Mm. Darn. Darn. All right. Well, we did it. Do you we did it. Picks? Uh... No. Pick is the big, big podcast. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I don't have any picks. Well, I can talk about a pick next week, though. Okay. Sounds good. Oh, God, I have to shut it off. Um, well, on behalf of uh, Sean, we're Dan and Colby. Uh... Go listen to Up Peace for Debate. What are, you, what are you waiting for? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Right. I haven't listened to the sandwich episode yet, but I, I assume it'll be ridiculous. Italian wedding sandwiches or something. Monsters. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, bye, everyone. I don't know how to stop it. How does it work? Oh, stop button. This has been a Coffee and Beer production, executive produced by Dan Miller, Colby Rabideau, and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.